Read and hear more about important news and policy issues at ncpolicywatch.com. This is News and Views. Welcome to News and Views. I'm your host, Rob Schofield. A new U.S. Congress is underway, and while all eyes have been on the House of Representatives and the division within Republican ranks over the election of a new speaker, it should be noted that the Congress that adjourned at the end of December actually managed to pull off a boatload of extremely important late-session accomplishments. Perhaps most notable, the passage of a bipartisan and comprehensive government funding package that includes a host of badly needed new laws and appropriations, including several that will directly benefit North Carolina. And earlier this week, I got a chance to learn more about some of those items when I caught up with a lawmaker who played a vital role in getting them included in the budget bill, Wake County Congresswoman Deborah Ross. Representative Ross also told me that while she's wary of the priorities the new GOP House leadership will pursue, she hasn't given up hope for finding at least some bipartisan common ground in 2023. Well, Congresswoman Deborah Ross, welcome back to News and Views. Happy New Year. Good to have you back with us. Happy New Year. It's always good to be with you, Rob. So you were just sworn in for your second term in office, and I want to talk about 2023 and the events of the last few weeks. But before that, Just before the end of the year, President Biden signed into law this omnibus funding package, which includes millions of dollars in funding for a lot of community projects in Wake County, lots of important national legislation. I wonder if you could just talk about for a moment about some of the accomplishments that were included in that legislation. Yes. And just to remind everybody, this was signed into law so that we could have a budget, a full budget for the year, rather than these, you know, continuing resolutions, which are just little band-aids that get us from place to place and sometimes lead to government shutdowns and things like that. So I want to just really make it clear that in the last Congress, we passed two full budgets. And these full budgets included um, a tremendous amount of really important spending that would will help our people. And that's everything from the projects, I'll talk about a couple of those, to making sure that all of our services are taken care of, making sure that our seniors are taken care of, making sure that we show up for the American people and take care of their health going forward. And we know that health is such an important issue, particularly with some of these COVID surges. I got a bill in that package that will help all of North Carolina and our entrepreneurs. It was called the Unleashing American Innovators Act, and it helps first-time patent applicants Hmm. um, who you know, sometimes end up selling their great ideas to somebody else and never getting to see the rewards for their innovation. And this particularly happens for people in rural areas, for women, for minorities, for our veterans. So it gives more resources to them, some legal assistance to them, and also brings the patent office out of, you know, the New York and California area. And um, hopefully will let us have direct patent assistance in North Carolina, where we have so many innovators. That was a bipartisan bill, and it got put into that omnibus. But in addition to that, I got more than $26 million for special projects in Wake County. Everything from investing in Wake Med's new mental health facility, and we know how important mental health is, particularly for our children, our adolescents, that mental health needs have spiked and Wake County needs a new facility 
that deals with people who cannot pay those private um, insurance bills. We also got a lot of money for water and sewer infrastructure in Southern Wake County, which is growing by leaps and bounds and attracting so many of these new businesses. But you can't just bring a bunch of people and a bunch of businesses there and not upgrade your water and sewer, your roads, all of your other infrastructure. And so Holly Springs in particular is thrilled. I got money to help our seniors at one of our largest Meals on Wheels distribution sites in Garner. Wendell got money to start a community center in an underserved area of Wendell, the historically African-American area, and the entire Wendell Council and economic development folks. Everybody was on board to, to work on making sure that everybody has access to community resources, affordable housing in Cary. And a lot of people, we've been talking about Wake County and Raleigh affordable housing. Well, Cary certainly needs it. And the Cary Town Council has invested in a real premium site for affordable housing. And we got some money for that. So there were 15 projects. A couple of them I worked on with Congressman Price before he left. But I'm thrilled to be able to help the residents of Wake County on all these crucial crucial services. It's exciting. Congratulations. And what a concept, government working in a bipartisan way to help the people. Yes. Um, I want to ask you, there were other things, though, in that omnibus funding package, not just directed to North Carolina, big, important things like the Electoral Count Act, reforming it, the funding for economic and humanitarian assistance to Ukraine, the the Veterans Pact Act funding. I, I wonder if any of those really stood out for you that you think all, deserve all to be highlighted. three of those issues stood out. So, of course, we need to continue to fund Ukraine's efforts to protect Ukraine and to protect democracy and fight back against Putin's illegal aggression against the people of Ukraine. And I was there in the gallery when President Zelensky came and spoke. He was unbelievable. But what's even more unbelievable is the resolve, the resiliency, and the heart of the people of Ukraine. And I stand firmly behind them. The Electoral Count Act hopefully will help us avert what we saw on January 6th with efforts to get electors to change where they were supposed to be aligned to get the vice president to usurp an election and, and the peaceful transition of power, it was absolutely bipartisan to get that in there. And then earlier, we passed the PACT Act, which helps our veterans who have suffered from burn pits, from Camp Lejeune water contamination. And we needed to put that additional funding in so that they could get the health care that they needed. So important in North Carolina. So all of these things were in that bipartisan budget. And um, it was certainly bipartisan on the Senate side. And I'm thrilled that we got it through right before Christmas, because who knows what's going to happen this session. We're talking with Congresswoman Deborah Ross about the accomplishments of the previous Congress that adjourned at the end of the year and, and now looking forward to the new Congress that's taking office in 2023. You've alluded to that. Uh, obviously, a pretty remarkable start to things with the 
15 ballot election of uh, Kevin McCarthy as speaker and a lot of rancor uh, in the ranks. Talk to us about your impressions of the last few weeks and maybe your concerns about what it bodes for the future. Well, I think that the Republicans were in chaos, and we particularly saw that between the 14th and the 15th vote on the House floor, where things got very testy and one member had to be restrained. Good thing that Congressman Hudson from North Carolina was quick at the draw to keep bad things from happening. And so I've seen this before. I was first elected to the North Carolina General Assembly in 2002. And in 2003, we had a protracted speaker vote and went on for a couple of days. And eventually it was a coalition government. And then eventually one of the co-speakers ended up going to prison. And it was quite the scene. This was quite the scene, too. Interestingly, in Congress, uh, members of Congress get sworn in only after we get a speaker. And big things came up because that meant that nobody could get a confidential briefing. We couldn't open up new cases to serve the public. There was a lot of concern about the functions of Congress not being able to operate. And uh, fortunately, we got, we finally got sworn in in the wee hours of the morning on Saturday. And so I feel like I got to witness history twice, once in North Carolina and then once here. What was unfortunate yesterday is we adopted a rules package that um, I think will diminish our ability to work together, will encourage extremism, will diminish ethics. I mean, the fact that anybody would vote for a rules package that would weaken our ability to um, have robust ethics in Congress, I just cannot imagine that. But of course, it happened on a partisan vote. And for a party that complained about how bills went to the floor, I served on the Rules Committee in the last Congress. This rules package is putting more than 10 bills on the floor that have never been through committee, even the rules committee. So um, when when I served on the rules committee, there were some bills that had been through the previous Congress, but at the very least, every bill got a full hearing in the rules committee. And we don't have committee chairs to bring the bills to the rules committee. And it also seems just so silly. Some of these bills are extreme. We know that the Senate will not ever take them up. So what is the rush? And if you're going to message to the American people, it should be, we care about you. We want to make sure that we help you with inflation, with health care costs, with mental health, with making sure your kids get a good education. And none of these bills do that. They reward tax cheats. They criminalize doctors who help women with reproductive health care. I just don't understand it. But if that is the message that they want to give to the American public, we will respond with a resounding no. Wow. It's an amazing development. We're talking with Congresswoman Deborah Ross about the, the new Congress that's taken office finally in Washington in recent days. So let's talk a little bit more about what lies ahead. Is it merely gridlock with the Democratic Senate and now Republican House? Is there any prospect with this sort of uh, extreme minority in the Republican Party wielding such great power? Do you have any hope that we're that there's even any prospect for bipartisan legislation? Or is it just going to be a time 
when not much gets done in Washington over the next two years? I think that there are going to be high profile conflicts. And we've already talked about the debt ceiling. We've already talked about the budget. But I do think there is room for bipartisanship. I have had several Republican members reach out to me about working on bipartisan bills. I got 11 measures through the House in my first term. Almost all of them were bipartisan. Many of them were just consensus bills or things where everybody agreed to move them forward. Of course, they went through committees and we argued them and all the rest for the big bills. And so I think we will see some of that. I'm hoping that the bills that I'm going to be working on with um, some of my Republican colleagues, a few of them that didn't make it the last time, will make it again. But I think all the attention will be on um, the highly partisan investigations that are going to be done in the House Oversight Committee, in the House Judiciary Committee, um, on the debt ceiling, and on how we deal with budget issues. And so I would just encourage people to pay attention to some of the smaller bills that get through that really help people every day. And I'm certainly, I've already got a list of more than 10 bills that I'm gonna be working on. Again, almost all of them bipartisan, trying to get them through this Congress. We're coming to the end of our time with Congresswoman Deborah Ross. I wanna ask you one last question about a, an issue. I got a press release about the morning that we're recording this. It's just about the environment and about wind energy off the North Carolina coast. That seems like, as the climate emergency continues to worsen, that seems like an obvious area we've got to emphasize. And it sounds like, that's one where you want to take a lead as well. Yes, and I took a lead on offshore wind during the last Congress. The Trump administration had a moratorium, a 10-year moratorium on offshore wind off the coast of North Carolina and, and other Atlantic states, and we got that moratorium lifted. And I had bipartisan um, support for doing that. Uh, Congressman Rouser and I worked on doing that, and he represents coastal areas, including an, an area that was recently leased. And this is a this is something where if we can have utility scale offshore wind in North Carolina, not only will it move us toward a clean energy future, but it will provide a tremendous amount of jobs. We already are in that supply chain for wind energy for other states. And imagine what would happen if we harnessed that wind energy. And you know, the Wright brothers knew all about that. <laughs> in North Carolina. So I will continue to push for that in this Congress. Let's end it on that very hopeful, optimistic note. We could use a little optimism these days. That's, that's a good one. We'll be paying very close attention to. Gosh, Congresswoman, thank you so much for all your work for our state and for the people of Wake County. And uh, we'll look forward to checking in with you again uh, later this winter. Looking forward to it. Take care, Rob. Coming up next, a special two-part conversation about an important new report on the causes and effects of poverty in North Carolina. Don't go away. 